Well, bioassay has the great advantage that measures biological activity, and that sounds a bit tautological, but that's the great thing about bioassay. And for 100 years before that, people were cutting pieces of tissue, putting them in an organ bath, and connecting them to a transducer and measuring contraction and relaxation as they injected things. Gadum had the brilliant idea of not immersing the tissue in, uh, in, uh, in a physiological solution, but dripping it, dripping it, so it doesn't dilute the, the, the substance very much. And what John Vane added to that was the idea of putting several tissues in a cascade. So if you put one tissue in a cascade and you drip a solution, you can use that solution to drip on a second tissue, on a third tissue, and so on. And what that adds to the, uh, to the uh, assay is the possibility of profiling. If you have three tissues which respond in slightly different ways to different substances, you won't have just a measurement of a substance, you will have a profile of activity on a bank of tissues. So, and I always thought that the amazing thing about that is that when I arrived to, to the lab, they had these maps of profiles of active substances on bank of tissues. So if you wanted to measure bradykinin, you put these tissues. And if you wanted to measure angiotensin II, you put the other tissues and so on. What that gives you, if you are doing it well, is that if you ever come across a profile that you don't know what it is, you might have discovered something. You better stop and think again. And that's exactly what happened. We knew the profiles. We knew how each substance behaved on the different tissues. So when we came across profiles that we couldn't recognize, we were aware of the fact that we might have discovered something new. So that's the great thing about the, the bioassay. Well, I, I started to f discover the immense power of the technique when we were working with uh, prostaglandins, the stable classical prostaglandins. And uh, I managed to demonstrate that tissues were able to differentiate between prostaglandin E2 and prostaglandin E1. The difference between these two substances is just one double bond. And the tissues, the profile, was able to tell you if you were working with either one or the other which means that you have the ability to differentiate very clearly what you, are, uh, what you are looking for and also what you were not expecting. When we started, it was very little known about the pathway to arachdonic, of arachdonic acid metabolism. It was known that arachdonic acid was the precursor. It was known that prostaglandin E2 and F2-alpha were formed. It was not very clear what were the enzyme enzymatic steps, and what we found with John is that aspirin inhibits there. And that leads to inhibition of the formation of prostaglandins, which are present in tissues, and so on and so forth. The big question at the time was, how does aspirin produce bleeding? Everybody knew that if you take an aspirin, you bleed more, and there was no logical explanation for that. So. Ben Samuelson at the Karolinska and a man which I have just mentioned, Jim Willis, at the Royal College of Surgeons, 
started to look for intermediates in the pathway to the formation of the stable 